Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite, and Rutgers beat reporter and sometimes co-host, Craig Epstein. How's it going, guys? Good, how are you? Yeah. All right. So Probably today... Yeah, better than better <laughs> than me, I guess. I mean, it was a cathartic loss last night for the Eagles, but we're here to talk Rutgers. Um, so we're going to talk about the, the Rutgers basketball game from Sunday, where they went down to... Where they went up to East Lansing and lost to the Spartans and kind of where the team sits now. Uh, for you in, on the latest in the assistant coaching search uh, to re- replace Corey Heatherman and some other recruiting nuggets in there as well. Um, let's just start off. So Rutgers went to East Lansing on Sunday right before the NFL games and they lost 73 to 55. Um, it was a game that, you know, it was competitive at points, but uh, the same thing that's kind of hampered Rutgers for a long time now where they just kind of go ice cold at certain points, and that's what happened in the second half. Michigan State had a 19-0 run at one point, and that was kind of it. Um, Craig, what, what's, your, what's your take in general on where Rutgers basketball sits at the moment, and kind of is this season salvageable at this point? Like I know we talked about this recently, but we didn't hear from you on, on the subject. Yeah, I mean, I guess in on one hand, the score is kind of a little deceiving because – like they won by 18, but they also went on that 19 nothing run. And Rutgers before, really before that, they did. They, I thought, like you said, they played pretty well. I mean, the game was close for the most part. And then afterwards, they start, they kind of found their rhythm a bit again until you know Stephen Izzo scored his first points ever in college basketball. But I mean, yeah. But on one hand, it's like the game, the score was a little deceiving because they gave the 19 nothing run. But at the same time, they gave up a 19 nothing run, which is just unacceptable. Like that just cannot happen. Like for after the game was over, after that, I mean, once they go back, once they go down by by 19, they just they're not coming back from that because the offense is just not built that way, and it's just the offense really just always just comes back to that where this offense just cannot consistently put together 40 minutes. I saw Pike talked about in his post game press conference that they're really close. They got they just got to put together a good 40 minutes, but right now I'm not even like really looking at a good 40 minutes. Can you give me a good like 30 minutes? Because they went, if you combine the two halves, they went like over six minutes in the first half of that, a field goal. And then to end the half. And then they went over six minutes in the second half on that 19, nothing run Michigan state run without a field goal. So if you combine that, they went like 13, 14 minutes without a field goal. And it's just like, just unacceptable like this just cannot happen like i i understand like it's it's a tough year but i don't know that's just you, you just have no shot if you go four oh you have no shot if you go nearly 14 minutes without a basket perfectly fair <laughs> like there's two players in double digits and one of them's been really consistent i will say andre hyatt's been great this year um it's an underrated asset i shouldn't say great he's been good He's been able to put up double-digit points in almost every game so far. Uh, Moat Mag has been better on offense this year. The rest of the team didn't even hit double digits. The rest of the team didn't even hit seven points each. Like, it's, it's that bad. Like, it's ugly. 
Gavin Griffiths is non-existent. Um, Cliff Amori, I don't even know what the hell happened to him, but he can't even hit. He hasn't hit double digits since the, since the year changed, since the calendar changed in 2023. And even before that, he's only done it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven times this year, and he's played in, what, every game? <laughs> it's like, it's, I don't know what's happened to him, but he's regressed so much. It's, it's like actually concerning uh, to watch, but. I, I think you got to change up the starting lineup again. I've been very adamant about this. Um, Derek Simpson's way too inconsistent of his player. Yes, he had that one really good game. Yes, he hit that one half-court shot at, at the buzzer. At, or not, or was, No, he had a three-pointer at the buzzer at the halftime like a couple games ago. Still went 3 of 13 in that game. He's just too inconsistent. Um, I can't trust him out there to be a starter. And I think that's where you got to kind of switch things up and just change it up and throw, throw Jermichael back out there. He was great as a starter. You beat Seton Hall when he was a starter. And look at that team. That team's complete opposite of Rutgers right now. They're on a crazy roll. But yeah, the offense stinks. There is no offense, actually. And you said 30 minutes? Like, you want 30 minutes? I want I want to see 20 minutes out of these guys <laughs> on offense. They keep smoking layups. There was one There was one play, and I'm glad the RU Screw Pod tweeted it out. There's a picture. Kwefamori has the ball literally under the rim. The closest guy on him is almost at the elbow from Michigan State. And somehow that did not result in points. Like it was the craziest photo ever. And I, I'm glad they pointed it out because I saw it and I didn't have a picture. I didn't have a screenshot or whatever, but it just ridiculous. And then the guard play, the guard play just, it stinks. It flat out stinks. No one on this, in this backcourt can score. Nor Fernandes went one of six. Michael Davis, who struggled two of five, two of five for Austin Williams. Oh, of two for Gavin Griffiths. Derek Simpson, two of six. Like they just, the backcourt is where you're supposed to get your points from for the most part. And you're getting zero to little to none, little to no production out of that backcourt. It is abysmal. Rant over. Yeah, no, we just can't find a way to put the, put the ball in the bucket. And I mean, that's I know that this is overly simplifying things, but we're one of the worst teams from uh, shooting from two in the entire nation. Where Bart Torvik has us at three forty, uh, three hundred forty fourth out of three hundred fifty three teams at two point field goal percentage. We're two hundred. We're three hundred forty sixth. Uh, it's effective two-point field goal percentage. Um, if you just look at our last six games, we're shooting. We've shot under fifty percent from two in each of those six games. Um, we're one hundred and three for two fifty-three, which is a little bit over forty percent from two in the last six games. Since our three-point outburst versus uh, Seton Hall, where we shot fifty percent on high volume, we shot twelve for twenty-four from three in that game. Uh, We've gone 36 for 148 from three, which isn't even 25% as a team. It's 24.3%. So we're doing everything poorly in terms of trying to score. We're one of the worst teams at the rim in college basketball. You know, we see that time and time again where, you know, we just get these open looks and we just, like you said, we just smoke these easy opportunities. for, And it's not even like layups, it's putbacks. You know, it's, we're not going... It's. I, I really don't have like a single prescriptive thing that it's like we're bad at doing that because of X. It's like we're bad at that because X, Y, Z. Like we're not nearly as long as we normally are. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a team that, on offense especially, is extremely flawed. And all the guys that we were expecting big, uh, big contributions that were newcomers, outside of Jamichael Davis and and Austin Williams r- recently, like we haven't mm-hmm. really gotten anything from any of the newcomers at all. So. Yeah. It's been a very tough season, and I don't really see a path forward where, you know, we can turn things around. If you look at the rest of our schedule, 
of the remaining uh, 15 games on our schedule, we're currently projected to be favored in three of them. So in 12 of the remaining 15 games, we're going to be underdogs. At least Ken Palm has according four, to, for what it's worth. Yeah, so three or four. Matters, but... but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a hard season, guys. Um, I know that Paykel alluded to reinforcements coming, but I don't know, outside of dropping like prime Michael Jordan onto this team, how you're going to turn this, this squad into a good offensive team. Um, Richie, what are you hearing? That seemed like a fairly cryptic comment from Paykel in his post-game presser. What are you hearing regarding these supposed reinforcements coming? Well, Paykel said it kind of in his post-game presser, although we didn't really get the full post-game presser, which was kind of annoying. Shout out Michigan State um, Athletics for not sending the whole thing. Appreciate that. Um, anyway, yeah, no, they're definitely, it sounds like they're most likely going to get some reinforcements on the way. Um, Manuel Ogbol is very, 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 very close to playing. It sounds like he could have played the last game, but he, they're still trying to shake off that rust on him. Um, you got to remember, this guy had an ACL injury similar to Mag um, a couple weeks after Mag, so he's still in recovery mode. He's still trying to shake that rust off. I don't know really how much of an impact he's going to really have on the game. As a defender, I mean, he might be solid because he does have that length and that, that crazy wingspan of his. Um, but he's he's probably going to get a lot of stupid fouls too because he like if you watch his play from JUCO, like you, you could just see like there's a lot of a lot of non foul calls that he probably should have got. But um, he's an intriguing player. I mean, like I said before, Cliff hasn't really done much this season at all. So it, it's honestly at this point, I I on the verge of saying I'd like to see anyone else out there at the big man position, but then they put Wolfolk out there and I'm like, never mind, take it back, go back. Like uh, it's, it's just been, it's been really brutal from the, uh, overall, I know I've been raving about the, or talk, ranting about the back court, but the front court's been awful too. Um, so yeah, Emmanuel Ogbo sounds like he's very close. So that's one reinforcement. And then it sounds like Jeremiah Davis, uh, Jeremiah Davis, Jeremiah Williams, I just combined two names. Jeremiah Williams will, uh, it was very close to being ruled eligible. Um, I don't know how this is going to work, what it's, what the logistics are behind it. It sounds like, obviously, that two-time transfer rule is, like, gone. Like, there's no rule about it anymore. Um, I know that court case is still in play, I guess. It's still it's supposed to be a re-meet at the end of this month, I believe. But it does sound like they're going to probably lose that case, which is interesting because NCAA has billions of dollars for lawyers, right? But uh it sounds like something with the, the suspension that he was supposed to serve or is supposed to serve, and they're going to count that towards the first half of this season, and then he'll be he'll potentially be ruled eligible soon. And we've seen people on our boards like, why would you do that? Why would you waste a year of his eligibility? And I'm sitting here like, dude, he might be your best guard on your team. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you want to, like, just go into the – it's like tanking. Like, I don't think tanking works. Do you want to tank the rest of the season just for the hell of it? You don't even get a draft pick in here. Like <laughs> – Put him in there, try to get a couple wins at least, and make maybe make the NIT, the CBI, or one of those other weird postseason tournaments. I think he could be just an immediate impact guy on both ends of the court, too. Yeah, I mean, I do think if Jeremiah ends up coming back, he will make he'll he'll make an impact, but I just I just don't think it'll be enough just because how just, just oh, yeah. bad this team honestly looks. Where maybe they'll, instead of losing by eighteen, they'll lose by ten. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they'll probably like, it could be a win though. Potentially but, in some in some games could, that could yeah. be another win. Like, it, uh, well, yeah, he, I think he. I mean, it, it could result in a couple more wins, but at the end of the day, I just don't think his addition will make that much of a difference. And Emmanuel Ball, where it's like, yeah, I mean, if he can make a basket from two feet out, then yeah, he could probably be the starting <laughs> center right now. But 
Yeah. But like you said, I just don't think he he's if anything, he's probably going to he might take Wolf Folk's job as the backup center, because right now Wolf Folk is just <laughs> just giving giving them nothing. It's just mm-hmm. it's just not good. So, I mean, we'll see. Like, but that's almost but also at the same time, it shows you how just kind of how the season's going. The fact that this is what you're depending on to basically save your season is basically a backup center and a guy that you didn't even think was going to play for you this season. He's good though. He, he's, he's really, good. Yeah, really he's good. good. Like you, you saw him in the one practice or the one practice you saw. Um, I saw him in a couple this preseason. He's just he's, he's probably your best guard by far, in my opinion. And he's he's done it at and like even at the Temple level. Like I know it's not like Big Ten level basketball, but it, it's still pretty damn good basketball over there. Um, he's he's a good player, and he was averaging what nine and five or something, nine and four. Over two seasons, you have to assume he's probably going to get a little bit better than that. Probably, you might get double digits out of him in a couple games. Yeah, it also seems like he's a guy that kind of stepped his game up a level since the last time he played. <clears throat> now, obviously, there's a guy coming off an Achilles injury um, when he was at Iowa State. But, um, yeah, everything I'd heard was this was probably the best player in the entire offseason. Um, so getting arguably your best player to come back, even for a half season, I mean, in, in college football or college basketball, you kind of just need to like, if the kid wants to play and he's eligible to play, you need to play him. And he's going to be a positive net uh, influence on your team. Like Michael probably loses him in the off season. If, if Jeremiah wants to play and the whole team knows he's the best player and he decides to mm-hmm. save a year of eligibility, that's not, that just doesn't work. So yeah, you kind of have to play him. And then honestly, you, you want him to have some, some basketball under his legs coming into next season you don't want him to just be like you know walking shaking off even more rust than he already probably is coming into the 24 25 season so uh yeah jeremiah williams probably probably hires our floor a bit because he's also another lengthy uh two-way player where he can you know he was known as a, a, a you know a total uh X factor defensively before he was an offensive player. And it sounds like he's a really good offensive player too. Uh, so it sounds like he stepped his game up there. So we're going to have a, our dual threat of uh, defensive stoppers again in Jeremiah Williams and Watt Mag uh, replacing, you know, so, Caleb Williams. So let, we love. Caleb sorry. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, sorry. Let me uh, point this out too. Number one, he wanted to, Ohio, Iowa State wanted him to stay. He wasn't going to probably be a starter. He would have been a key contributor off the bench. They wanted him to stay. Where does Iowa State rank right now? Oh, they're number nine in the net. Illinois got him to commit. Illinois backed off that commitment because they didn't think he'd be eligible this season, and they wanted him to play this season. Illinois, Brad Underwood, we kind of trust him, right? He's a pretty damn good coach. And when those two programs want someone and you get him, he was fifth in the AAC in assists per game when he was playing before for 4.1, had 1.2 steals per game. And Temple was nine and three when he scored double figures. That's pretty damn good. Like the kid is really good. Like this is going to be a phenomenal addition to this lineup, to this rotation, even the starting rotation potentially. Um, I don't know if you start him right away because again, he's got to shake some rust off like any other guard. But if this kid comes out and drops 10 points in game one, that's better than anything you've gotten out of the backcourt over the past four games. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I have no doubt that he makes them better. It's just I just don't think he turns them from the 14th place Big Ten team to like you know a top five Big Ten team. No, maybe no, he turns no. them from 14 to 12, to maybe even 10. Like, but I just don't think You're saying he's going to turn them. He, what? What you uh, said? Uh, you said 14th. I don't know, man. Have you seen Penn State play? 
<laughs> then, listen, we'll find we'll it's find rough, out man. in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But yeah, no. it's, it's just like I said, I he's good. He's very he's very good. I think he, he'll make, he'll make the team you know, at least a little bit more watchable. But mm-hmm. it's just I just I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll turn them into an and into an NIT team. Plus he, he has what? How many years of eligibility? He was 2020 doesn't count. 2021 is that that's one year. 2022 he missed the season so it doesn't count. Plays this year, still has two more years. Like that's that's he's going to be a good player. And he's from a very notable high school that produces I don't know, Derek Rose, we're talking about. Um, there's, I forget the names, but there was about like 25 players from Simeon High School out in Chicago that have played D1 over the past couple of years. Yeah, that's an absolute factory in Chicago. So the bloodlines yeah. are there. You just got to hope that uh, he's able to hit the ground running and, and really kind of, you know, we've been talking about how we need that alpha on this team. Hopefully he can come Good in and, and be that guy. And maybe, maybe they haven't had it on the court because Jeremiah Williams has been that guy in practice and so when you don't have that presence in games you know it's you know you don't really have the ability to kind of switch that on and then turn it off in practice i don't know i'm speculating it's not a bad thing there's only positives that can come from this so excited to potentially see him on the court this year uh ruckers has a game this week against uh nebraska who's 13 and 4 on the season three and three in conference they uh upset number one ranked purdue uh, at their yeah. at their place about a week ago, um, this is a team that is much better than I anticipated them to be. Um, the only really caveat that I think gives Rutgers a chance is their three uh, conference losses have all come on the road in the Big Ten, and they've all come by double digits. So each one of those games that they've lost have been by ten plus, and uh, you, you might think, okay, so they're you know they're bad on the road. Well. If you look a little deeper, you know, their opponents scored 94 points, 88 points, and 76 points in the games they've lost on the road. So basically they've been outscored. Rutgers is going to probably need to outscore them because Nebraska offensively is very good. The few areas that they do struggle are uh, defensive rebounding. They're not the best at, and also uh, defending against threes. They're one of the worst teams in the uh, in the uh, high majors against uh, defending the three. And Rutgers, while they're not great at shooting it, if they probably are going to win, it's because they outscore them and they get hot from deep. Um, but that's not really a great recipe for Rutgers uh, in terms of winning a game. So I don't know. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough matchup, and that's tomorrow night um, at the rack at seven p.m. So uh, basketball wise, guys, do you have anything else you want to hit on before we 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 talk some uh, football? No, I was just going to say, like you said, I expect tomorrow to be a game where it's like if Nebraska comes out, hits their shots, because as you saw last year, Tominaga basically lit up Rutgers when they kind of stunned them at the rack on that uh, towards the end of the year last year. So if he gets out to a hot start and opens things up for Nebraska, then, yeah, it's probably going to be another tough night. But if, if Nebraska starts missing their shots and Rutgers can muck the game up a bit, they'll probably keep it close and maybe even win, because like you said uh, – Nebraska is a little bit weaker on the road, but then again, at the same time, they beat Purdue on the road. So just night to night, you just never know. So I don't, I don't expect Rutgers to win. I, I'm, I'm not even sure I expect this one to be very close. But you know, you never, I guess you just never know. Yeah, I'm just looking at their their matchup on a bracketologist, and it kind of breaks down everything. Their their offense at 78 points per game is going to be tough to stop. Um, they're making 35 percent of their three pointers. Again, going to be tough to stop. But the rack does have a little bit of magic sometimes. So those uh, that little curse they have on the rims, according to Hunter Dickinson, 
<laughs> um, so you never know. But uh, the fact that Rutgers is shooting 66% from free throws, um, 39% from the field, 29 from three kind of tells me that this is probably going to be another ugly one, if I had to guess. But again, rack magic, home court advantage. You can really never count out Rutgers when they're playing at home. So. I'd say the weather might affect them, but it's to them, this is probably like summertime weather or maybe spring. <laughs> did you see, speaking of Nebraska real quick, did you see the clip on Rivals today? What about on, what? On their Instagram. It's like they got a Florida recruit to sign and he enrolled early. And it's like when it's your first time uh, seeing snow and the kid just fucking bust his ass completely and he's just oh, foods no. everywhere there's smoothies here and it's like oh. first time from florida yeah that makes sense kid probably gonna answer the transfer portal tomorrow but yeah <laughs> oh, poor kid um yeah it's funny all right let's move on to football uh football had a huge announcement this past weekend and i say huge for the size of the guy um and also kind of what he's meant to this program uh in shiano's 2.0 era reggie sutton is returning for his final year of eligibility. I was surprised because I didn't think he had any eligibility left. But uh, this is a guy who is kind of the definition of what Chiano's program is all about in terms of fighting through adversity, in terms of not giving up, in terms of just doing your job. And his job for a while was rehab, and he fought through it. Um, Reggie Sutton returning for his seventh year of college now. Mm-hmm. Uh and this is a huge, at the at worst case scenario, this is a high quality depth piece. Best case scenario, you've locked up another spot on the offensive line. Uh, Rich, were you surprised when the announcement was made that he was coming back? Yeah, a little bit because I, again, didn't think he had eligibility. But um, technically, I guess he can apply for the medical redshirt and I guess he got approved. So uh, if you do the math, like 2018, he redshirted. 2019 is one year. 2020 doesn't count. 2021's the second year, played three games. 2022, we didn't see, so that would be probably the medical. And then 2023, he played, what, um, just about every game? Nine games, seven starts? So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a little shocking to see him come back. But uh, it sounds like they got the medical redshirt. It's a good start. It's a, I mean, he was your starting right tackle for seven games. Like, um, Do I expect him there next year? That's the big question mark. I really don't know where he's going to because um, I think he's a better fit at guard personally, but he was decent at right tackle. He's the best they had last year. Um, mind you, Tyler Needham did uh, end up falling to injury in what game three, game four, something like that. Um, so I mean, I think you slot him back at guard, and I think you might have a starting guard, and you don't really have to hit the portal for a guard. And now you can focus all in on tackle, all in on tight end, and then it's probably your your roster for the next season. Yeah, I'm happy to see him back just because, one, just because how an inspirational story he is. He's just really, he say he really is just like the program, like the embodiment of the program. And, yeah, of the chop. But, uh, and, yeah, yeah, the way we see offensive linemen go down, yeah, at the worst, it could be a, a very good depth piece. The guy that, you know, if if guys go down, he could just slide right in. But uh, and their offensive line, like we saw last year, was pretty pretty damn good. I mean, it, it led to... Uh, Led to Kyle Manungai being you know the Big Ten leading rusher, and now you got Kyle Manungai coming back, and you got basically most of the, if not all, of the offensive line coming back. So you'd mm-hmm. expect you know good things again, and and him going up again now. I, I don't even know how old he is now, but him going up against eighteen year olds, I would expect him to kind of unless he's facing you know all all American you know type guys, I'd expect him to to you know win most of his uh, reps. Well, when's the last time he actually had a full off season of? Like healthy, like prep. Yeah, right. So probably twenty twenty. 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think he's the last. Um, I think he was an Ash kid, right? I think he's the last. He uh, was an Ash kid, Ash yep. kid on the roster. So, wow, that's cool. wild. It might be the most uh, you know influential player on the team in terms of. <laughs> I, I don't know how you know his personality is, but I mean, you got to admire the guy for what he's gone through and how he continues to kind of push forward and fight through uh, what yeah. he's you know dealt with. Um, Crazy. So possible starting guard or starting tackle and at worst you know swing guard swing tackle like he, he's going to play a lot next year if he's healthy regardless if he starts where he plays yeah. you you know you're not going to find a guy like this in the portal right now maybe after the spring opens back up mm-hmm. um but i do want to talk about that because the portal is uh closed for undergrads graduate transfers can still enter where does where do things stand for Rutgers? because we were kind of Half expecting some visitors this past weekend. That didn't happen. Uh, you want to talk about mm-hmm. why and where you think things are going from here? Yeah, it sounds like they're kind of just going to wait um, until the spring window. Now, mind you, grad transfers can still enter. They can pull the Cam Spencer, Paul Mulcahy card and be like, hey, I don't like my school anymore in June. I'm done. Like, all right, weird flex, but okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so they're they're done for the moment. They do want to get an offensive lineman. Um now it's going to be interesting to see what they focus on because they were looking at guards and tackles, but now with Sutton back, I, I think you can, again, I think you can get away with just looking at one. Um, it really depends on what you prefer Sutton at. I think personally he's a better guard than the tackle. I think he has the guard mold over the tackle mold, especially Shiano's tackle molds where he wants those tall, big, massive linemen that are like 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six and above. Um, but then again, you, you saw Curtis Dunlap, who was 6'7", playing guard. So I. Don't listen to me. I'm not Pat Flaherty. I don't know shit about offensive line coaching and all that. But uh, I, I think you do go for offensive tackle, and obviously they need a tight end. Um, now, mind you, there's a new tight end in the room, sort of, kind of permanently, uh, and Kenny Fletcher. So we'll see how see what he could do. I know he played a couple snaps in the pinstripe bowl, but that move obviously is significant because they they see something there and has his athleticism. So we'll see what he can do there. But they definitely want to get a tight end. They definitely want to get an offensive lineman. And potentially a cornerback as well, but they're going to push this all back probably until um, what do you call it? Till the spring window. Um, this past weekend, like we said, or like Mike said, they we were expecting visitors, but then nothing really came about it. Uh, they're more just focused on uh, the early enrollees, which just came in this weekend, this past Saturday. Um, I think actually they start classes officially today, so I think it's about fifteen kids, if I had that right, um, are early enrolling. Uh, just about anyone and everyone that we've mentioned already, Sir Race, Winowich, Duff, Crumpler, the two tight ends, so the tight end room gets a little bit of a, a little boost, I guess. Uh, Raynor Andrews, Arispathia, Montel Johnson, the three safeties, um, one's cornerback maybe, depends. We'll literally see what happens, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, sticking with football, though, um, Rutgers is still trying to replace their linebackers coach, Corey Heatherman, who left to become Minnesota's defensive coordinator. What are you hearing regarding that vacancy? And could this, do you expect it to be an external or an internal uh, hire, if you had to guess? Right now, if I had to guess, it's probably going to be an internal hire. Um, pure guess on my part. I don't think it's going to be uh, Bill Belichick. I don't think it's going to be <laughs> former linebackers coach Nick Saban. Um, but if you look at the list that we put out there, um, there's a couple names that you could probably check off already. And Steve Belichick was not on our list, but you could probably check him off considering he's gotten offered from the Patriots. 
uh, under Jared Mayo, and it sounds like his dad might be going to Atlanta, so probably just follow him. Uh, also, like I know he wasn't entitled defensive coordinator, but in reality, he was a defensive coordinator of that Patriots team, and a lot of teams respect him and think he's a great coach, so I'd be shocked if he left the NFL. But regardless, I do think it's either going to be Charlie Noonan or Jared. Uh, I always pronounce this wrong. Kite? 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 We're going to go with Kite. I think that's right. Um, yeah, he was the interim D-line coach slash quality control guy, former linebackers coach at Maine under Harris Simiak when he was the head coach, uh, former DC at Maine after Harris Simiak left, um, or Charlie Noonan, who's already been on the road. Both of these guys have been kind of recruiting already. Charlie Noonan's been working with the linebackers for since he's been back at Rutgers uh, in 2020, joined as a QC. Worked at linebackers at Lehigh, where he had an All-American, uh, second-team All-American in the Patriot League. So, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those two. Um, Tim Lukabu was Tim, Tim Lukabu was also on our list, but he is interviewing for the Patriots' current D.C. job, so another connection there, blah, blah, blah. Former Rutgers guy, former Tampa Bay Bucks guy for Shiano. Uh, I'd be shocked if he came back to the college level. There's, it just makes a lot of sense for them right now to just go with an in-house hire. And then you might potentially, I know we haven't really talked about it too much, but you could potentially need a D-line coach too. Um, as Marquise Watson continues to recover, we'll, we'll just keep him in your prayers and all that. Uh, we don't know the logistics or the details behind that, uh, if he'll return next season or not. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, you could potentially need another assistant coach. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> the writing's kind of on the, written on the wall there a bit. I, I wouldn't expect. Marquis Watson to be back next year as the D-line coach, and that's mm-hmm. just based on me guessing. Um, these situations tend not to um, result in the guy immediately returning. So, again, thoughts and prayers out to, to Marquise and his family. But uh, mm-hmm. it could be two holes on the uh, defensive staff to fill. Um, it's kind of all I got. Is there anything you guys wanted to, to hit on before we head out? Uh, no, I guess not. Football season's over, Mike. You can turn your attention to hockey because the Flyers are having a hell of a year. I mean, Torts has really turned them around. Like yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could say that, that that I cared about hockey. I'm not a hockey fan. <laughs> not that I dislike hockey. It's just I've never been able to get into it personally. But yeah, it's fun to go to. Um, it's probably the most fun in-person uh, sport to go to in terms of just like all the uh, the fighting and you know, it's two might, hours long. This might be this it's might be the time. The Devils are pretty cheap right now, too. Eh, well, yeah, they're kind of fighting for the playoffs right now, so. Well, yeah, I mean, buy $10 tickets for, like, the Rafters, which are really bored. There you go. Unless but, it's a Ranger game, then the, then they hike that stuff up to, of course. You know, well, make it unaffordable. Yeah. Um, Rutgers Wrestling had a pretty good weekend. Yep, I was going to mention that. Uh, mm. They won their first two Big Ten matchups against Indiana and Purdue. Uh, hmm. Indiana's no pretty, slouch either. Yeah, they were twenty first, and they beat them thirty to to eleven. And they beat Purdue uh, twenty six to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Rutgers has their third Big Ten matchup on Friday uh, at the rack, or sorry, on the road against uh, Michigan State. Um, <clears throat> they're unranked, but then the the meat of the schedule is uh, the the matchups following that. So after Michigan State, they have uh, at Michigan, who's ninth in the country. They have Minnesota at home, who's 16th. They have Ohio State at home, who's 7th. Then they go on the road to number one, Penn State. Then they have uh, number 22, Maryland, to finish up the conference season at home. So this is uh, where the rubber meets the road coming up soon 
And I know yeah. that there's been a lot of talk about Rutgers never beating a lot of those teams. Um, so getting getting a win versus Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State was probably something that Goodale was really focused on with mm-hmm. the uh, dual lineup that he's trotting out there this year. So yeah. uh, it'll be it'll be a fun season. Um, we'll see if Rutgers can get that that uh, program defining win in the next mm-hmm. coming months. Uh, I I will say this, um, being that I. I cover some Penn State as well. They're they're um they're moving that match to the Bryce Jordan Center, which means they they expect really? a lot more fans and that's usually their biggest match of the year what they do there is they move it to the bigger arena. So it's definitely interesting because this this Rutgers team kind of I I don't know they're not going to probably win that match because there's a lot of a lot of talent there. There's potential yep. guys on Penn State that are going for their fourth NCAA title. Like um but I do think Rutgers probably puts up the best fight against Penn State than most other Big 10 schools. And it's it's also weird looking at like uh this this weekend's lineups and just seeing for Rutgers and being like, hey, like the upper weights, wait, what? The upper weights are carrying the, the load right now? Mm-hmm. Like that hasn't happened in quite some time. So it's nice to see. Yeah, if you look at their lineup, I think they have four or five guys ranked in the top ten right now in uh P- Peterson, Shaver, Poznanski, mm-hmm. yeah. uh Soldano and uh Yari, uh, they might even have five guys in the top ten by the time you know some of these new rankings come out. So yeah. it's a really good team overall. Jack- Jackson Turley, by the way, damn, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's back. <laughs> yeah, he had a huge pin, uh, I believe, against Indiana. Um, uh, he had one against Purdue. I know. Maybe that was it. Where the the match kind of was still up in the air, and uh, he gets a pin and just kind of totally shifts the momentum of that match. Yeah, he's been phenomenal ever since uh, recovering from an injury. And then, like you said, Yari. Yari's just different. It's nice to have a heavyweight that you can kind of count on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, different team this year. It's fun. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Um, you never know when Rockers News is going to strike. So, uh, you just know, stay tuned to your podcast ten feed. Minutes. <laughs> stay tuned to the site. Yep, because you never really know. And uh, if there's anything newsworthy, we'll be on right away. Uh, if not, I'll probably have another pod later in the week to go over the Nebraska game and to go over kind of what's going on in the coaching search and recruiting mm-hmm. lives. But for me and Richie and Craig, this has been another edition of the Court Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.